You've hit play on the Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. Well, here we are, this time talking about a little show called Rome. I see some parallels between this and Game of Thrones, and so I figured I'd bring in an expert on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I would say expert now, you know. I'm knowledgeable. I'm going from memory on Game of Thrones and not try to relive that. Because if I relive it, it might suck. It just might suck. Let's go back in time to 2005 when Rome premiered. Both this and Game of Thrones were on HBO. And HBO in 2005 had... The Sopranos, Six Feet Under, The Wire, Deadwood, Entourage. Did you watch any of those, Stacy? Nope. <laughs> not a single <laughs> one. Were you not really into HBO back then? Not HBO, I just I think I have access to it. So I didn't watch anything on it like that. I didn't have HBO or any of the other premium channels, but I had heard of them and by this point, DVDs were pretty much a thing, so I would get some of them on disc. When did you actually get into Thrones? Actually, right before season two came out. Because my buddy had season one on like the disc set, and I was in the military at the time. And he was telling me about like how good it is. He's like, oh, watch this. You'll love it. You just got to sit through a little bit of talking, but it's worth it. And I did it. It's totally worth it. You watched it through to the end. Every single season except the last season, the final episode. I did not watch that on purpose. Do you think you'll ever watch it? Never. And you don't care about seeing the actual ending of the show. For you, it just ended an episode early. Yep. Everything's still out there, man. Anything can happen. People told me about the ending, and just think about what happened and how it went down. It's disgusting. <laughs> My characters will not do that. Never. Never. Let's get into it. A show called Rome, about 50 years before the birth of Christ. We've got Julius Caesar. He's out fighting a war in the western part of the Roman Empire, I believe present-day France. And while he's fighting out there, back at home, at the heart of the empire, Rome itself, a guy named Pompey Magnus, a friend to Caesar, presides in the capital but the two guys are too big to share the power. Things are coming to a point where one's going to have to kill the other and assume full control. Caesar with all of his money that he's making, fighting. And then you got a lot of the senators in the Republic side with Pompey. And the show is about them coming to blows, trying to backstab. If you know anything about history, you know who won. Stacy, what were your initial thoughts after finishing the pilot? I was like, you know what? I'm back in high school. <laughs> I just read the story of Julius Caesar all over again, man. <laughs> That's possibly why I didn't like it too much. It was too perfect, too accurate. Too accurate? Yeah. Because I actually felt the same thing. If we just look at the very beginning of the episode, it starts with a narration over an ancient map of the world 
first thing I thought of was this is a History Channel documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, yes. But I like that because it's world building. It doesn't assume you're a great study of history. I do appreciate that they give a little backstory. Yeah, they're cheating with the narration. But Stacy, come on, they made up for it. In the very next shot, we're on a battlefield in France. Come on, didn't you love it? See, the battle was good, but like what happened was just, uh, it didn't feel natural to me, man. Like, didn't feel natural at all. That battle was, it's good, but special, you know? Because you got the guy's information, right? You got the commander with his whistle. Lucius Varinus. He blows his whistle. They shield up. Guys come charging in. You know, they fight them off. Blows the whistle again. They're like, they switch lines and stuff. But they just like two or three times. And all of a sudden, one guy on their side goes rogue. Yep. His name is Titus Polo. He's drunk. And he's not paying attention to their formation. And he's breaking lines. And he tells them to break lines. Let me out to get him. They have a little, I guess, an aside. When he's trying to get them back. And no one attacks them at all. Like, I wanted authenticity there. Because they had me until that happened, dude. Like, I was in the battle. I was like, oh, okay. I feel it. I can see how this is happening. This is possible. But that little section right there. Being the defender of the show that I am, <laughs> I'm going to say that these two guys are such skilled warriors. They're so badass. These tribesmen that are attacking the Romans, they don't want anything to do with them. Because they know they're badasses. They know that they have plot armor. <laughs> and there's no way these guys are going to get killed. <laughs> oh, they got the bubble, man. The badass bubble. <laughs> this episode, it primarily, it's just setting up a lot of the characters that we're going to see throughout the series. We meet Caesar's family, his grand nephew, Octavian. Oh, that guy who himself will one day become emperor. You've got the conniving, overbearing Atia, who is Octavian's mother. What do you call it? Uh, what is that term for her? Oh. Dragon lady? Tiger mom? Butterface. Butterface, man. Ouch. Why are you being so mean? Her character is just you know, it's nasty. I didn't like that. And that gaudy, red-dyed, curly hair that she has. Yeah. A lot of these noblemen and women are just wearing expensive, gaudy clothes and makeup that looks weird and hair that looks weird. And you go, I thought they were Roman. If they're Italians, you'd think they'd have dark hair. <laughs> yeah. It's not their natural hair color. They dye it on purpose to set them apart. So. Oh, okay. They want to stand out. Not that there aren't any red-headed Romans, because the empire stretches so far. Lucius Verinus is a natural redhead, because his family, I don't believe, is originally from Rome. The show is establishing itself. We mentioned Titus Pulo. He's just a drunken soldier who... I wasn't really entirely sure if he's going to get hanged or crucified, or if he was just going to get whipped for being drunk in battle. What do you think was going to happen? I thought they were going to kill him, man, you know? Caesar's gold eagle standard gets stolen. Varinus is tasked with retrieving it, and he selects Titus Pulo. And yeah, okay, right. There's a moment where Pulo thanks him for getting him out of the stockade, and Lucius says, well, I only did that because I think this mission's going to fail. You're already in trouble for fighting drunk. <laughs> 
you were already going to be put to death, so it doesn't matter if we fail this or not. Yeah, you're dying, not me. <laughs> what did you think of those two characters? I liked them. They were good. But you got me on the gold now. I gotta go back to that gold. Caesar has got bank, bro. He's got rolls on rolls on rolls. That man's got some money. This is something that is true of history. The guys that are making war are the ones getting the spoils. But he's got beyond spoils, man. I had to look this part up about the talent. His eagle was half a talent of gold, apparently, I think it was, altogether. Mm -hmm. And the guy asked for that much money. And half a talent was $1.5 million in US right now. Because a gram of gold is $38 each. I like that this show got you to look something up. <laughs> but I also feel like you're sending me mixed messages. You're like, Frank, I don't like being back in school learning about history. <laughs> and then what do you do when the episode's over? You go look up history. <laughs> because like he gave away that much, like it was nothing, dude. He gave that man half a million. It was nothing. Like, oh here you go. Go fetch it, slave. Just give him the money. So I like the show, but like I don't like it, man. What were some of your favorite scenes or performances in this? Uh, let's see, let's see. Favorite, favorite. And his first episode, I don't think I had. Was it really a favorite? I don't think I had a favorite in this first one, man. Titus and Lucius. I think you should stick around just for those two guys. Whereas half the episodes are stuffy politics and backstabbing. With those two, it's literal backstabbing as they get into fights, <laughs> get into the gladiatorial ring. When you're tired of all the talking and statesmanship. That's when those two pop up on screen and start hacking limbs off. <laughs> what? I think they understood that they had to appeal to a mass audience, whether it's a geek like me that can appreciate the history, or someone more sophisticated such as yourself that wants to see boobs and blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's very true. What else about the time period did you notice? Oh, the play at night. I guess the same night the Eagle was stolen, technically, it happened. But you got, what, Pompey attending a play after the Senate meeting. And then you got the, uh, I don't know the old guy, but he's dressed in black. And you could tell, like, just because he's in black, he's sketchy. Like, he's evil. I don't like the senator right to get-go, but I don't remember his name. You mean the one that presented his daughter to Magnus? Yeah. Okay, that guy was uh, Scipio. Scipio? Yep. And the guy that wanted to talk to Pompey separately by himself? Who was the other one? That was Cato. That's the one I don't like. He was the one dressed in that black robe, always. Well, everybody was wearing some nice, pristine white to show that noble or gentleman. <laughs> that scene, like, they're watching a play, and then his daughter says, Oh my God, father. Basically, there's a naked woman on stage. I gotta get out of here. I was like, uh, I'm confused really plays into the difference between the classes. And in her instance, I think she's been pampered so much in her life that, you know, she thinks about what would be appropriate and not appropriate. And because she's just too damn good for the audience and the people on stage to have uh, nudity near her presence. <laughs> oh my God. She cares about her stature and she doesn't want to be next to that lowbrow humor. That's crazy. Cause I like, to me, that's different from what I know of Rome. Rome, they didn't care, man. They were free, you know? Old school 2022. Do whatever you want. <laughs> the world's your oyster. Something that I dialed into pretty quickly as far as the setting of it, just all the slaves walking around 
and how you could have a slave that was in a position of great authority, being a corner man to a nobleman or even an emperor. But then you had slaves that were just the house-tidying type. There's one moment where one of them accidentally bumps into Octavian, and then he slaps her. Yeah, I felt bad for her. You're like a dog, man. <sighs> and there's not an extra second's thought about her after he smacks her. Yeah, the mom didn't say nothing. Nobody cared. Like, ugh, that's vicious, dude. In what ways do you think Rome is like Game of Thrones? Definitely with the talking. But there's a reason behind all the talking. You know? They're setting it up. You gotta deal with the setup. I want to say the fights, how they break it up too, but that doesn't happen until season two in Game of Thrones, really, you know? So I can't say that. Because literally season one is all talking, if you remember Game of Thrones. Like, it's all build up, man. I'm trying to remember that first season. I do feel like it was all build up. A couple fight scenes, like one or two episodes, I believe. And a couple people, like, infiltrate night mission type stuff. But, no. It's really up until Ned Stark loses his head. Where stuff gets crazy, yeah. That's like seven, eight episodes in. Mm-hmm. I think Game of Thrones tends to have drawn-out plots that really take a while to culminate. Yeah, they do. Whereas Rome, each season is its own story, so they do a pretty good job of wrapping things up each year. And then where they intersect, they're both period pieces in their own way. They've got the swords and shields going on. Nudity. Definitely nudity. Always appreciate it. In solid doses. Most of the time, it's not the good kind of nudity. It's that filthy kind of nudity. Not as a value judgment, but nudity like, ew, I don't really want to see that kind of nudity. You know, like dirty prostitutes and stalls. (laughs) (laughs) When Atia walks out of the bath and Octavian is peeping at her. Gross, don't want to see that. Yeah, but I thought at first he didn't know her at all. Like, that's what I thought at first. But then I was like, oh no, that's your mom. So both of them have that incest stuff going on. Yeah. The way the first episode ends, they end up finding the gold eagle. And who orchestrated its theft? Pompey Magnus. He wanted Caesar to look weak. Now the lines are drawn. And then the last shot is Caesar's army striking camp, and they're headed back to Rome. Ooh, damn. It didn't make you want to check out episode two? Because even you said with Game of Thrones, it took you a few episodes to get into it. But, like, it was too much of a history lesson. I literally felt like I was reliving my class when we read the book. The whole time, I was, like, playing in my head. Ed to Brutus. (laughs) 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 And then when Brutus popped up, I was like, whoa. That's not how I pictured Brutus, man. I pictured him kind of a muscular guy, more like Caesar, you know? He's still a noble, but he's still got to be strong, you know? He can't be a little stick like he was. I think that contrast is better for the ultimate betrayal because Brutus is somebody who can't just challenge Caesar to a duel. He has to get sneaky about it. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Something told me you wouldn't be hot on this show. It's a burden for me being so right all the time, Stacy. So I like the show, but I don't love the show, you know? I'd recommend it, but I'm not for it, I I guess. You gotta give it at least another two before you make up your mind about it. (laughs) So I gotta treat it exactly like Game of Thrones would tell me. 
I mean, if you're a fair man, that's what you would do. <laughs> I already told you from the get-go, man. I am straight biased. Game of Thrones was too good. It set me up. It spoiled me, man. It had everything I wanted and more. Obviously, it's going to be drier than Game of Thrones with all the dragons and the smoke entities coming out of women's vaginas. The assassins. Yes, yes. It lost me, Game of Thrones did at that moment when that lady had a smoke baby. (laughs) (laughs) If Rome premiered now, do you think it would fare better than it did when it was originally out? We're talking it had the updated graphics. They probably used a little more CG. Rome only had two seasons originally. Do you think it would have more than two seasons if it came out now? Yeah, i go yeah. Because people would be more invested now. Like After Game of Thrones, people more open and willing to try these shows out. I think Rome would get axed in less than a season. I don't think the content and the audience that watches it have really uh, evolved in a positive way since the early 2000s. I can see why you say that, yeah. Because people are more about the phones now. It access more people now, though. Because now everybody's got the Netflix, the apps and everything, so it reaches a bigger audience. This quote from Bruno Heller, one of the co-creators of the show, he said, It's easy to make it beautiful and shocking and big and not deal with the characters. It would be the opposite if it was made today. It's all about the spectacle. I would point to stuff like the way Star Trek's been treated in the last five to ten years. It's more about, oh, let's have a crying moment here. Let's have people getting killed. Let's have explosions. Ooh, fast and fun. Um, 50-50. I'm a little with that, but not too much. There's still a lot of shows that do really good character development. It might not be like the biggest hits, like you know, hitting everybody, but like uh, it's also one of HBO. It's one about those brand new superheroes you showed me. Um, oh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, yeah, you know. There's still stuff like that out there, the hidden gems. So, any final thoughts about Rome? The show really is worth a shot. Just watch it. It's good. It's it's solid. Like I'll put it right out there. One out of five. It's a strong three, man. Strong three for me. Cause I'm not a history person. That's the only reason why, though, Larry. That's the only reason why. I can settle for that. I feel like I've squeezed a fair deal out of you. (laughs) I always want people to go check out the stuff we're talking about, and I think a solid three out of five is enough to telegraph to people that they should check it out. Can't get over that. I need my fantasy. (laughs) Give me more fantasy in there, or give me some sci-fi. Slide on the side, you know? Just toss some. If we divorce it from the history, I think it's foreign enough in the way the world behaves in the show that there is a fantasy element to it, where it just seems weird and off-putting, and you remember the history and you go, oh my god, a lot of this stuff really did happen. The sensibilities, the way they're behaving, gross. (laughs) (laughs) If I had no backstory, I'd honestly probably give it like at least a four. I'm a little surprised you remember so much about your classes on Caesar. (laughs) <laughs> it's because I liked it, man. I liked the story. It's a really good story. So I've got a longer TLDL, too long, didn't listen segment, just for you, Stacy, because I knew I'd need to pad this episode because of all the hate you would spew at Rome. Dude, I'm not spewing any hate at Rome, man. I, I like Rome. I really do. It's just I'm not loving it. You know, I'm not in love with it. What do you think Rome is better at? 
the violence, the politics, or the world building. Oh, damn. Ah. Okay, I'm just going off first episode. Yep. I said politics, because that Senate scene was pretty good. It played out nicely. Oh, and there are moments in the second episode, they show the bribe senators, and they're talking about their republic and how it's in danger of turning into a tyranny. It's pretty much what the Democrats and Republicans say about each other now. Because you can clearly tell the divide, too. Like, you see the straight, this half is for, this half is against. And then the moderates sit in the middle. <laughs> yeah. On a scale of one to five, one being Xena Warrior Princess, and five being Westworld, how difficult would you say the plot was to follow? And I put in the middle. It's three. Because you still got to, like, remember who's who, what happened. You got to start putting faces to the names and keep them together. So it's a little difficulty, but not much, you know. It's a three, right in the middle. Would Rome be better with dragons? Ah, oh, bad. You already know my answer. <laughs> you already know it's going to be a fat yes. Oh, yeah. I don't like the tenor of this episode. <laughs> what? You're making me feel dirty with your dragons and high fantasy. <laughs> I want my grounded sword and shield stuff. No, I need the spice. You know, a little pepper. It's a little pepper on top. Come on, it's the ancient Roman world that reverberated throughout history. Tons of textbooks written about the subject, and you just want dragons. Give me a ground dragon, man. No, give me an overgrown kimono lizard or something. <laughs> Toss them out in the battlefield, dude. <laughs>